Well, good morning. You guys excited to be here today? Hmm. Are you excited to be here today? Yeah. All right. That was yeah. You you can you can clap. It's okay. You guys. Uh, I, I got my. I, I kind of got a, a taste of my own medicine on Thursday night because uh, I got to just listen uh, to people preach, and they were, I think, preaching right at me, talking about spending all my time watching football, and of course, this time of year is basketball. Can I get a rock, chalk, Jayhawk, go KU, anyone? Money? All right. Thank you, Kason. Appreciate that. <clears throat> God is good. All and all the time. I'm glad that you chose to be here today. If you are new, we don't always talk about football and basketball, but it's not necessarily a bad thing. But my name is John, and I'm, I'm blessed to serve as a pastor here. I'm going to invite you to turn to John chapter 11. John chapter 11. And I, I just want to take a moment to say, Thank you to the church. Man, I, uh, I was proud of you guys Thursday night. You guys did awesome. And uh, I want to say thank you to all the women and ladies who helped serve. Could we give them a hand? They did an awesome job. Um, you know, we, we've been planning and praying for God to show up. And, and those of you in the room, you know God showed up, didn't he? It was awesome, and uh, we, we got, I want to just give you a few numbers from the night. I, I, we didn't get a complete, accurate account, but it really, really doesn't matter. God knows how many people are here, but upwards of 700 men, 50-plus ladies, I think, were, were serving. We, we consumed nearly 350 pounds of brisket, 1,000 chicken legs, well, Probably 990. I think I've had 10 since then. So, um, 150 pounds of hot links. Can I get an amen for hot links? And uh, most importantly, 12 men gave their life to Christ. Praise the Lord for that. So, you know, many, many, of, many individuals in this church donated just to make that event happen. Businesses donated, other churches donated, and so I'm thankful. Uh, just the many ways that God showed up and the way that God provided and what God did on Thursday night, and, and so I'm thankful for that. I also have a special prayer request. Uh, you remember a few weeks ago, uh, I, I was able to announce that we had like a special um, board meeting right down here before church one morning a few weeks ago, and because of uh, the crisis that's going on in Ukraine, uh, one of our manna feeding centers and orphanage in Ukraine, they had to flee from there and go into another one of our manna orphanages in Romania, and so we had made a decision to send $5,000, and basically that's based because of your generosity. We have a surplus, and we could do that. Then I invited you to give. And, and just mark on your offering envelope, or whether you do that online or in person, Ukraine or Romania or MANA. And you know, in the last few weeks, you as a church, as individuals, have given $20,000 for that. Praise the Lord, right? And so, uh, normally our officers meet on the second Tuesday of the month, and so we met and we decided this past meeting that because of what is taking place and the need continuing to grow, that we've also committed to give $3,000 for the next six months uh, starting in April because it's an ongoing need there. And it 
potentially at least two years that we're going to need to, to help take care of these refugees. And so because of that investment, again, as a church, we, we've already committed or given more than $40,000 for this, this need. And so, again, I want to brag on you. God, God is good, and you guys have been faithful, and I thank you for that. But I want you to pray this, this Friday. There's four men from our church that are going to be going to Romania. And so pray for us. It's going to be me and Andrew and Bruce and Chad, and we're going to be going to, to Romania on Friday to just kind of assess the need and see there's potential that we may need to buy another building in order to house the, the refugees that are coming through the orphanage in Ukraine. And so if you guys would just pray. We're going to leave on the 1st, and we'll get back the 8th. So if you would, would pray. I want to show you just a few pictures real quick. And so I'm excited to meet these kids. Some of these kids are from Romania. Some of them are, are uh, from Ukraine. And they're just kind of figuring out how to do life together. And I'm thankful for the workers there at the Mana Center who are helping them. And so pray for us as we get to just go spend some time with them and remind them, even in their situation, Jesus loves them. Amen to that. Amen to that. So in John chapter 11, this morning we are in our series, uh, I Am Jesus. And we're looking at the fifth statement of Jesus. And in this fifth statement, so in the Gospel of John, John records seven miracles and he also records seven I am statements. And in the seven miracles, Jesus is displaying who he is, that he is God. In the seven statements, he is declaring who he is, that he is God. And so we've just been walking through them. We've walked through the bread of life in John chapter 6, the light of the world in John chapter 8, that he is the gate. Pastor Carlos preached on the gate that he gives us life and abundant life. And then last week we looked in John chapter 10, also in John 10 and verse 11, that he is the good shepherd and he lays down his life for his sheep. This morning, the statement we're going to look at is Jesus says, I am the resurrection and life. And so in the seven miracles, again, he is displaying that he's God. The seven statements, he's declaring that he is God. And sometimes in the gospel of John, the, the miracle and the statement are, are together. And that's what we're going to see uh, today. Now, in this miracle today, in John chapter 11, I think that three questions arise out of the text. I think these three questions probably are three questions that everyone in the room today on some level has asked. Whether you, uh, this is the first time you've ever been to a church, and if, if this is the first time you've ever walked into the church, thank you for being here. We're, we're glad that you're here. We're excited that you're here. Some of you have been coming to this church for more than 50 years. And so whether it's your first time or 50 times, I don't know, a long time, you've probably asked this question. I know I've asked these questions. And I think these questions often arise when there's a problem or when there's pain, when we get the news from the doctor, or maybe as a parent, when we see that our kids are, are struggling, and, and that could be in a vast area of ways. And we have these questions. The first one is, is this. Can God help me? Can God help me? Let's be honest this morning. Have you, how many of you, whether you actually said the words out loud, how many of you have thought that question before? I'm not sure God can help me. The second question is, does God even care? They sometimes go together, don't they? And, and sometimes it's like one question right after that. Maybe it's just a, the, the whole question kind of tied together is, 
And so the thing about this, is God big enough to help me is really the question. Is God big enough? The second question, does God see me? Does God care about, about me personally? And then the third question, why would he choose to help me? So if he can help me, if he cares about me, why would he choose to help me? And I, again, you can find the answer to these questions all throughout the scripture, but I think the answers are also found in this text. So what I want to do this morning is we're going we're to walk through chapter 11. I'm going to give you a little bit of commentary as we go. Then we're going to get back to these questions. But in case you decide um, to fall asleep in the next 25 minutes, let me give you a sermon in a sentence, okay? So if you get it and you catch it and you fall asleep, at least you've got something, Okay, so I'm, I'm, my granddad, he used to sleep every service in church, okay? And his statement was, I can sleep in church because I have a clear conscience. Yeah. <laughs> I told him, no, you have a guilty conscience. That's why you're sleeping. Anyways, here's the sermon in a sentence. There is purpose in the pain and hope in his name. Therefore, trust him. That's a powerful statement, isn't it? There's purpose in the pain and hope in his name. Therefore, trust him. So if you want to take a nap now, go ahead. And wake up when we say it again. But we're going we're gonna to say it a, a, multiple times because it, it just kind of jumps out of the pages today in the story we're going to read. So John chapter 11, verse number 1. Now a certain man was sick. All right, so the very first line in this text is what we're talking about. There was a man who was sick, and I think immediately for his sisters, the questions begin to arise. Can God help me? Does God even care? And why would he choose to help me? All right, so let's keep reading. Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary, and her sister Martha. It was, it was that Mary who anointed the Lord with fragrant oil. And she had wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore, the sister sent to him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. This is the first time and three times in this text we're going to see that Jesus loved Lazarus. All right? So you might want to circle that. Verse number four. When Jesus heard that, he said, when he heard that, he said, This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now remember the sermon in the sentence, and this is where we kind of start getting the understanding of this in verse number four. There is purpose in the pain. Jesus is saying that the death, it, it's not going to end in death. That's not the point. That's not the purpose. But there is a purpose in the pain. There is a purpose in this sickness, and it's for the glory of God. It clearly says in verse number four. Look at verse number five. Now Jesus, what is the word? He loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So this is the second time we are told Jesus loves this family. Verse 6. So when he heard that he was sick, let me read verse 5 again, all right? I want you to understand, it seems like it takes a, a wrong turn. Okay, we've already heard Jesus loves them. And then it says, now Jesus loved. So it's, it's reiterating, Jesus loved Martha and her sister Lazarus. So when he heard that he was sick, how should the rest of the sentence go? He rushed over there to heal the man, right? That's, that's what your mind says. Jesus, the one you love, is sick. 
Jesus then reiterates the one that Jesus loved when he heard he was sick. Now he rushed to help him, right? Well, if you don't know, that's not what happens. Listen to this statement. Waiting doesn't seem very loving, does it? Waiting, Jesus, the one you love, their expectation is that he would come running. And Jesus says, yeah, the one I love is sick, so, well, so what? He stayed two more days in the place where he was. Then after this, he said to the disciples, let's go to Judea again. Waiting doesn't seem very loving, does it? You ever been waiting on God before? Maybe you're waiting on God right now. Okay, okay God, any time. And it seems like it, everything within us, it says because he loved Lazarus, because he loved this family, that he should have rushed to heal this man. And here's what you need to understand is that sometimes the most loving thing for God to do or to allow is not the most comfortable thing. We want it to be comfortable. We want it to be good. We want it to be right. We want it to be like we want it to be. And Jesus, you have to understand this. Jesus is, is not pursuing. He's not leading you to happiness. He's leading you into holiness. His goal is for you to be more like Christ. Now, the byproduct of becoming more like Christ, it's not just happiness. It's joy. It's the joy of the Lord. And, and so waiting sometimes is worth it. Then after the disciples said, let's go to Judea. Verse number eight, we're gonna, we gotta hurry. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, lately the Jews sought to stone you. Are you going there again? Like, we're not going back to the place they tried to kill you, are we? Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of the world. But if one walks in the light, he stumbles because the light is not in him. Or I'm gonna give you a quick summary. Jesus is basically saying, it's not my time to die yet. So be quiet. All right, that, that's my commentary. <laughs> Verse 11, these things he said, and after that he said to them, our friend Lazarus sleeps, but I go that I may wake him up. Verse 12, the disciples again are confused like normal. His disciples said, Lord, if he sleeps, he'll get well. However, Jesus spoke of his death, but they thought he was speaking about taking rest. He was taking a nap. It's Sunday afternoon, right? Verse 14, then Jesus said to them plainly, like you're not getting it, Lazarus is dead. And look what the next verse says, verse 15. I'm glad for your sakes that I was not there, that you may believe. There's purpose in the pain. And Jesus is saying, I'm glad that I wasn't there to, to heal him because there's a greater purpose here than Lazarus feeling good. Okay? There's purpose in the pain. There's hope in his name. Therefore, trust him. You know, it's interesting. I can read my text just fine, but I can't read the verse, like the verse numbers. That's why I keep putting it on. Like I, I was like, I don't know what verse we're at next. Verse 16. Then Thomas, who was called the twin. I like this. 
because I am also a twin. And every time that Thomas puts his foot in his mouth, I think, this is just like my twin, all right? <laughs> but next week in John chapter 14, we're going to talk about this. And Thomas has the greatest question ever. And I think, wow, Thomas is a lot like me. All right. And Thomas says, let us go that we may die with him. If I could pretend like I was Eeyore right now, that's what I get. That's the picture in my head. All right, let's go and die. Or Ray Romano, maybe you understand better. Like everything's going everything's to go to pot, right? Let's go die. Yay. Verse 17. So when Jesus came, he found that had already been in the tomb. Lazarus has been dead four days. Now, Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles away, and many of the Jews had joined the woman around Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. Now, Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went to meet him, but Mary was sitting in the house. Now, Martha said to Jesus, you ever ask the Lord this question, Lord, if? Lord, if you would have just showed up earlier, we've been waiting. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Is that a true statement? Maybe. I mean, if Jesus would have been there and wanted to heal him, he would not have died. But, but Martha had such faith in Jesus and that he could heal if you had only showed up. And it's interesting that when we turn the page here in a minute, when Mary sees Jesus, you know what she says to Jesus? Lord, if you had only been here, my brother Lazarus would not have died. They, they had faith that Jesus could heal. And, and we could spend a whole week or two weeks talking about this, all the what-ifs. But the bottom line is this. There's purpose in the pain. There's healing in his name. Therefore, trust him. Right? Verse 20, now Martha, uh, where are we at? Verse 22, but even now, Martha is like showing faith. I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know he will rise again, the resurrection, at the last Day. She's talking about a future event. She's talking about an event that we often read at the graveside or at a funeral service when Paul wrote in 1 Thessalonians 4, I don't want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep. And then he says that the dead in Christ will rise. That at the sound of the trump of God, the voice of the archangel, are you waiting for the sound? And at the sound of the archangel, the voice of God, the trump of God will sound, and the dead in Christ will rise when? First, and then we who are alive and are remain will be caught up with them in the clouds. Are you looking forward to that day? If you are a follower of Jesus, what the scriptures teach us, what Paul reminds us in 1 Thessalonians 4 is that one day, Jesus, the head of the church, will come back for his bride, the church. And when that time comes, if we are alive and remain, we will be caught up with him in the clouds. That's going to be an awesome day. Do you realize that every major prophecy has been fulfilled that the day of the Lord, the last day she's talking about, that could be today. That would be awesome, wouldn't it? But Jesus is not talking about that day. He's talking about today. Look what he says. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. This statement changes everything. That's why we've been saying, I am changes who I am. I am the resurrection, the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? What a great question. Can we posit that question for a moment? 
Jesus asked Martha. He says, I'm the resurrection, I'm the life. If you believe in me, though you die, you shall surely live. Have you placed your faith in Jesus? These, these statements... I am the bread of life. You've come to me, you'll never hunger and thirst. I am, I am the gate that Carlos spoke on. I'm going to give you life, and I'm going to give you life more abundantly. I'm the resurrection and the life. I am the good shepherd who lays down his life for a sheep. All of these statements are declaring that Jesus is God. And it's going to get very clear next week in John chapter 14 when Thomas asks the crazy question, the good question, and Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, in the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So here's the question. It's the same question Jesus asked Martha. Do you believe? Have you placed your faith for forgiveness, for eternity, for a home in heaven, in the finished and complete work of Jesus Christ? Because only Jesus can save. Do you believe? Let's look at Martha's answer. Verse 27, she said to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God who is coming to the world. I believe you are the Messiah. I hope this morning that everyone in this room has declared and made the statement as she did publicly, yes, I believe Jesus is the Messiah. If you have not placed your faith in Jesus, I pray today that you would do it. I pray today you would do it. Let's, let's keep reading. Verse number 28, when he said these things, she went her way and secretly called Mary, her sister, saying, the teacher has come and is calling for you. As soon as she heard that, she rose quickly and came to him. Now Jesus had not yet come into the town, but was in the place where Martha met him. Then the Jews who were with her in the house and comforting her, when they saw that Mary rose up quickly and went out, they followed her, saying, she is going to the tomb to weep there. Then when Mary came where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet and saying to him, what did she say? Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Therefore, when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who came with her weeping, he did what? He groaned. You ought to underline that or highlight that, that word. We're going we're gonna to get back to it in a minute. He groaned in the, in the spirit and was troubled. And he said, all right, where have you laid him? They said, come and see. In verse number 35, the shortest verse in the Bible, but what a powerful verse. What does it say? Jesus wept. I'm thankful that Jesus cares. And he shows compassion and empathy and mercy. When the family is mourning the loss of their brother, Jesus wept with them. And some of them said, there's always going to be mockers. Could not this man who opened the eyes of the blind also have kept this man from dying? Then Jesus again, what's the word? Groaning, you might underline that. We'll get back to it. Groaning himself, came to the tomb. It was a cave, and a stone lay against it. Jesus said, Take away the stone. Martha, the sister of him who was dead, said to him, Lord, by this time there is a, what is it? Stench. If you have a King James Bible, you know what the word is, right? You can say it out loud. 
stinketh, or if you're in Texas, stanketh. He has been dead for four days. Wait, Martha said this, right? What did she say in verse 27? Yes, I believe you are the Messiah. What did she say earlier in the text? If you ask God anything, he'll do it. And we see a moment of doubt in Martha. And can I say, I'm thankful that this verse is here. Because I have moments of doubt. Do, do you guys have moments of doubt? I mean, I believe 100% that Jesus is alive. And because he's alive, I also will live. But sometimes when life is like painful, like Martha, Lord, it stinketh. You know what I'm also thankful for? Well, let's keep reading. What happens next? Verse 41. Or, I'm sorry, verse 40. Jesus said to her, Did I not say to you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? There's purpose in the pain, and there's glory in his name. Therefore, I trust Verse 41, then they took away the stone and the place where the dead one was lying. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and he said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. And I know that you always hear me. I like this part. He says, but because of the people who are here standing by, I said this, that they may believe. Like, Jesus didn't really need to say anything. Him and the Father are one. He's like, because people are watching, I want them to know that you and I are one. And you've sent me. And I have the power of the resurrection. So I'm going to say it. I'm going to say it so they'll believe. Verse 43. Now when he, had many th- when he said many things, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he who had died came out bound. Isn't that awesome? He who was bound, hand and foot, with graves clothed. His face was wrapped with a cloth. Jesus said to them, Loose him. And let him go. Lazarus is alive. And Lazarus is a picture of us. Jesus has the power over death, hell, and the grave. And because he lives, I too shall live. Look at verse 45. Many of the Jews, many of the Jews, many of the Jews who had come to Mary and had seen these things believed in him. What is the statement? There's purpose in the pain, glory in his name, therefore trust him. And even though it was the worst day of their life, the worst four days of their life, God was glorified, wasn't he? Let's think of these questions. God, can you help me? Can God help me? Here's a quick answer. The greatest enemy we have 
Well, you answer the question. What is our greatest enemy? Satan, death, sin. Because of sin, we will all die. And Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15, our greatest enemy is death. But because Jesus is alive, remember the statement, O death, where is your sting? O grave, where is your victory? Because he lives, I also will live. Easy answer. God, can you help me? Yes. God has the power to do anything he chooses to do. Jesus has the power to do anything he chooses to do. Yes, God can help you. Verse, the second question, does God care? Yes or no, does God care? Verse 35, he wept. I don't have time to go real in depth on verse 33 and verse 38, but these words groan or groaning, we often associate with verse 35 that he wept, that emotion of empathy or compassion. And although I think it entails that, the, the literal word means that the expression is that he's snorting like a horse. That doesn't sound very Jesus-like, does it? A word that we might most closely associate is indignation, anger. Jesus is angry. Why is he angry? I think in verse 33, he's angry. The scene is death. You see, when God created man, he created man perfect in his image, in perfect fellowship. And because of man's choice to disobey and to live in sin, what entered into the world? Death. You realize we're supposed to be eternal. But because of sin, we die. I think about this for a moment because, like you, there's been moments in your life when death came too early for someone. Or when you got the call that there's cancer. Or when you got the word. And, and we've all seen and we've experienced, and some of you to a greater, much greater level than me, you've seen when life was taken too early. And not only does Jesus weep for us in our pain, but also I think Jesus has this righteous, holy anger. This is what sin caused. And I hate it. You see, we don't have the capacity in our humanity to explain why death happens early. And I know it's the church answer to say, and it's true, and it's in the Bible, God works all things together to good to those who are called according to his purpose. That is so true. But I think God and I think Jesus expresses not only his humanity in this moment, but he expresses his deity. I hate sin. Sin is causing grief. In fact, he hates the consequences of sin so much that he sent Jesus. Jesus willingly, as he said last week, no one takes my life. I willingly lay it down. And one day I will take it back up. And because he lives, you can live. Yes, God cares. Verse 38, the groaning, it's a little different I think, understanding there. It's, it's the anger, it's the indignation, but I think he's frustrated at the people who won't believe. 
We, we don't have time to completely unpack that this morning. What's the third question? Why would he choose to help me? Okay, yes, he's big enough. Yes, he cares for me, but why would he choose to help me? Verse number four, what does it say? Let's look. When Jesus heard that he said, this sickness is not unto death, but it's for what? The glory of God. Verse number 40, did I not say to you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? God. Verse number 45, then many of the Jews who came to Mary and had seen these things, Jesus did, believed in him. Why would God choose to help me? What's his motivation? It's for his glory. It's for his glory. And, and, and the truth is, Romans 8, 28, which I quoted, it, it is true. God works all things for his glory and our good. And although waiting doesn't seem very loving, what we see in this text, there's purpose in the pain. There's hope in his name. Therefore, let's trust him. I'm going to ask you to close your eyes for a moment. I'm going to invite the band to come up this morning. And so two questions real quick. Don't, don't check out. Two questions. These, these are the most important questions right here. Have you trusted Jesus for salvation? Have you acknowledged he's the only way to God? He's the only way to forgiveness. He's the only way to heaven. I must place my faith, the death, burial, and the resurrection of Christ. And if you have not done that, oh, I pray today, right where you're at, in this moment, you would say yes to Jesus. Yes, Jesus, I believe that you died. I believe that you were buried. I believe that you came back to life. And I place my faith in you. My hope of eternity is in Jesus. You can do that right where you're at. Cry out to Jesus. For the rest of us in the room, the second question is, are you daily trusting Jesus? Because maybe you're in a season of waiting. Maybe you're in a season of hurting. Maybe you're in a season of pain and problems and you just are frustrated. Will you choose today to trust Jesus? And will you tomorrow choose to trust Jesus and acknowledge there's purpose in the pain. There's glory in his name. Therefore, today, in this moment, I trust him. Remember, Mary made the statement, or Martha made the statement, then she doubted. But you realize her doubt didn't delay the miracle. Trust him. I'm going to invite you to stand with me this morning as I pray. Would you stand with me? And as I, I pray this morning, maybe this morning it, it's time for you to respond. And, and as I pray, if you want to give your life to Christ, right there where you're at, do it. When I get done praying, I'm going to be standing right down here. If you want to come talk to me about it, I'd love to talk to you about it. But, but as I pray, maybe God is... It's just impressing on your heart, trust. 
trust, trust. I'm gonna invite you to come down and tell God, God, I trust you. I don't understand, I don't like it, but I trust. God, I, I come before you today. I thank you, Lord, that you can help, that you care for me. You know my needs, you know my hurts, you know my hangups, you know my sin, and you still love me. And Lord, I'm, I'm thankful that you choose to work in my life for your glory. And I pray this morning that you would help us to trust. Because you live, we also shall live. In a moment, we're going to finish the service by singing. But just in this moment, in the quietness of just listening to the keys, if God's speaking to you, I'm going to invite you right now. Come down and pray. Right now, just make your way. Just come down and pray. Right now, just step out. Come right now and pray. God, I want to seek you. As a church, we want to seek you. God, we realize that that you, there, there's purpose in the pain. And God, help me trust. Help my disbelief trust you. And let's just pray. If you want to sit at your seat and pray, you're welcome to do that. And in a moment, we're going to celebrate through music.